Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning, Pastor Julie here, and we are in week two of our discovery series, and today we're going to talk about discovering our identity, and we are in the book of Ezra, chapter 3, 8 through 13. In the second year after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, in the second month, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, made a beginning, together with the rest of their people, the priests and the Levites, and all who had come to Jerusalem from the captivity. They appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to have the oversight of the work on the house of the Lord. And Yeshua with his sons and his kin, and Cadmiel and his sons, Binui and Hodaviah, along with the sons of Henadad, the Levites, their sons and kins, together took charge of the workers in the house of God. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, according to the directions of King David of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever toward Israel." And all the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads and families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house, though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly, that the sound was heard far away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So how many of us were watching on April 15th, 2019, as the Cathedral of Notre Dame caught fire and burned? It really tore my heart out. As I have stood inside and seen all the beautiful stained glass windows, the Gothic structure, and felt the deep sense of history living within those walls. My mother and I happened to be in Paris at Notre Dame the day of Pope John Paul II's burial mass. The cardinals were at Notre Dame for the service, which was live-streamed from Rome, and had their chief holy artifact, the crown of thorns, out and available for the faithful to kiss as they came forward for Holy Communion. We just watched from the side, of course, since we're not Catholic, but it was a monumental day. I really did stop and think about all the popes, the cardinals, and other historical figures that had stood in that cathedral over the years. At least 15 kings had been crowned in the name of God within its walls. It seemed a very holy space to me. And I paused there, just feeling a sense of connection to all of its history and those who had been there before. And maybe you've been somewhere where you've felt that connection before and know what I mean. So for me, watching it burn so quickly and almost brutally brought tears to my eyes. I was literally speechless, yet I couldn't turn away from watching it either. 
what would happen now? Could we even imagine a world without Notre Dame in it? I was having a hard time thinking about that, and I wasn't alone as millions of dollars poured in while it was still burning to start a refund to rebuild it. It was good to know that even as the world was grieving its loss, there was hope beginning to grow that this would not be the end. And the rebuild has begun. They hope it will be ready for worship in 2024, but the work probably won't be completed for 15 to 20 years. And I thought about Notre Dame as I contemplated the situation of the Israelites in our passage today. The temple they were about to rebuild was to replace the one built by Solomon, the one destroyed by the armies of Babylon when they were taken into exile 70 years before. Solomon built this temple at the direction of God, and it was built with all the opulence he had available, walls and altars covered in gold, the finest cedars from the land, dressed stones that were larger than people. There was nothing in the entire world as grand and amazing as the temple in Jerusalem built to be the place where the presence of God dwelled among God's chosen people. Yet it was their unfaithfulness to God that led them to being captured and sent into exile. One of the most chilling moments in scripture captures the moment in Ezekiel 10 and 11 when God's glory leaves the temple, essentially removing his presence from them. From that moment on, everything changes in their lives. They are taken captive, the temple is utterly destroyed, and their identity as a nation is wiped out. Now, have you ever had one of those life-changing moments where you feel like everything has changed? You've lost so much and don't even know who you are anymore. This is what the Israelites are feeling. I don't know about you, but this whole pandemic has left me and many others feeling the same. We don't even know who we are or who we are meant to be in this world. It's been rough. It doesn't have to be a raging fire burning everything down or a global pandemic. Maybe you've had other situations that have caused you to question your identity and how you fit in the world today. But here in our passage, we're going to look at how we find our identity as a church and as individuals in this new world after the pandemic. This passage has a lot to teach us, so let's take a look. Now, we know that those unfaithful Israelites were taken into captivity. The Babylonians worked hard to destroy any sense of their previous identity, making them take Babylonian names, eat Babylonian food, and live according to Babylonian social and spiritual standards. Assimilation, we call that. Taking someone and slowly, methodically conforming them to how you live, having your values, leaving their old life behind. And although it seemed as though God had abandoned them to their feet, God sent them messages loud and clear through the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel that their exile wouldn't be forever, that they would return to Jerusalem one day. They even told them 70 years and exile would be over. I know it's hard, but God says to be content where you are right now. Pray for the welfare of your captors and keep living your lives. You will go home one day. God has not abandoned you and left you without hope. And that's exactly what happens. After 70 years, they are given permission to return and to rebuild the temple. The exile is over. 
But as we know, when any life-changing event occurs, things are never the same. They can't be. It's not possible. There's always a before and an after. In our passage today, before and after meet, and in a sense, shake hands. They are happy to be able to return, yet there is a profound sadness at what has been lost. There is such joy at beginning the work of laying the foundation for the new temple, but loud wails at the reality that it will never be as grand as the one that stood in that spot before. This dichotomy, the experience of both pain and joy at the same time, is eloquently captured in verses 12 and 13. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house, though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. Can you picture it? The ones who had actually seen the splendor, the glory, are weeping so loud that you can't tell that sound apart from the utter joy of those who are happy about the ability to rebuild. Well, maybe those weeping are happy about being able to return and rebuild, but their grief is, for the moment, overwhelming, and they can't help but cry over what was lost. And I think that at some level, we can all understand that. I read the Old Testament a lot, so I knew this story when I began planning this series, and it struck me as the perfect example of what most of us may be feeling after two long years of this pandemic. In March 2020, this church was closed down in an instant. We were in sheer survival mode for a long time, just trying to keep worship going, connections going, and doing our best to get through this life-changing, world-changing event. No one knew it would last for over two years. No one could have predicted how everything would change, the things that would be lost, never to return. So I want you to stop for a moment and think about that. How has life changed? What have we lost? As we we talked about last week, the importance of knowing our history looking back to where we came from and how it has shaped our identity in this community and in the world. Reflecting on what has changed, what has been lost, is key to acknowledging our pain and will help us heal and find our new identity as we move forward. We can't deny our loss and behave like nothing has changed. We also can't move forward without understanding that like the temple they were rebuilding, the church we closed down in March 2020 will never be the same church again. So what has changed? What has been lost? As most of you know, I came to Asbury in July of 2019. I was here only seven months before we started hearing about coronavirus. Remember, they had to tell us it had nothing to do with beer. One month later, we were closed and essentially in exile in our own homes. I was still learning about Asbury's identity, how it worked, the missions and ministries of the people. I have a list of things that were part of our identity before the pandemic that have been lost and not knowing if they will ever be a part of who we are again. 
and that list includes the bazaar. I only experienced one, but I know it's been a big part of Asbury's identity for many years, actually 1865, like we talked about last year. The Thanksgiving community dinner that's sponsored by the Ministerial Association, but with leadership by key Asbury people. We had three worship services here before the shutdown. One of those may never come back. We had a vibrant praise band at the 9 a.m. service. We hope to have one again, but the musicians we had before will most likely not be part of that. We were part of the circle of hope dinners for those in need. That, too, has ended. We sent out meals once a month to over 100 people. That's gone, too. We participated in the Code Purple Shelter at Centennial United Methodist Church. It ended before the pandemic, but it's gone nonetheless. The Mary Martha Circle has lost members to death and won't recover. We've lost their passion and service to their, our children and youth ministries. We've lost some key people, like Aline Poor, who had key roles in worship. And we know death is a normal part of the life of the church, but we lose something profound with each person who leaves us. Then there's the food pantry. Although it is a ministry of the Smyrna Clayton Ministerium, it was housed here for many years and became part of our identity. When we had the outbreak of bugs, it was moved to St. Peter's Episcopal Church down the street. So not everything was due to the pandemic, but there's still a loss to our identity, how we identify and see ourselves. Many of our children, some of our families and other adults have not been back since March 2020. So we are grieving the loss of friends and other adults who have not been back that we used to see every Sunday. We've had to move most meetings to Zoom, so we don't really get to see each other face to face. That's been a difficult adjustment. We continue to wear masks in worship and six, sit six feet apart. We've not been able to take communion the way we did before COVID. There have been times we haven't been able to touch one another. The loss of connection, touching, seeing each other's faces, worshiping with the people we used to see, the missions and ministries that defined us, it can be hard on the soul. I know I've cried over it many times over the last two years. Things will never be the same. And how have you experienced loss in the church, in the world, and in your own life during the last two years? So it leads us to ask the question, what now? We've lost so much, so who are we now if we're not the same? How can we find our new identity? What has God got planned for us? Well, like the Israelites who returned from exile, God has been with us all along the way. This passage reminds us that even in the grief, there is joy and hope. It may not have been the same temple, but they were given the grace to rebuild. Their exile would not define their life or identity forever. God had led them through that time of exile into their new freedom. And it would take quite a few years and hard work. They would face opposition and many challenges, but the temple would be completed. And we see later in Ezekiel that the glory of God returns to the temple even if it would never be as grand as before. 
Our God is a God of hope, and God is faithful. This is how the Israelites can sing and shout for joy. Yes, many things have changed and will never be the same as they once knew, but God makes a way to see a new future, and it will be as glorious as the past, even if it looks very different. See, as we walk towards the future after the pandemic, we will take stock of who we are now. We will rebuild, in a sense. Some of our former missions and ministries will return. Some will be changed. Some will be gone forever. Our world has changed. Our community has changed. We have changed. No one can live through something like this and not be changed forever. Our church is going to be different in many ways, even as we lay a foundation on all that has happened to bring us here. From the beginning, Asbury was built on the love of God we know through Jesus Christ. We will always have the Great Commission to make disciples for Jesus Christ, and that work will never stop. It will look different just as it has for each season and challenge this church has been through over the years. This is the time for us to take stock of who we are and how our identity before the pandemic will impact who we become. We will always be advocates for social justice issues. That's part of our Methodist DNA and has played out over the centuries right here at Asbury. We will always have a heart for caring for the poor among us, those homeless and those in need. We move forward answering the call to the great commandment to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. That is who we are. When they were rebuilding the temple, there was such grief over what was lost. And that grief, though, was mixed with the joy and hope of the future. That is a normal, healthy response. We shouldn't be ashamed to grieve over what has been lost, nor should we be ashamed at feeling joyful at the new opportunities God has made available to us. We will walk boldly into our future, hand in hand with our past, knowing that this is not the first time we have encountered life-changing events just like this and probably won't be the last. We will walk into this new future together. Times have changed, but Jesus Christ, who for the sake of our future joy lived, died, and rose again from the grave, will never change. It is Christ that inspires us walks with us, and gives us the spirit to lead and guide us. Who are we now? We are disciples of Jesus Christ with a mission to make disciples and a command to love. How will that look now? I honestly don't know. But I'm open to the spirit who will lead us to where God wants us to go, and I pray you are too. Knowing that God speaks to us all, I will be holding a couple of discussions for you to share your thoughts on how we can move forward and make disciples for Jesus Christ in the future. This Saturday at 8 a.m., I will be at the Smyrna Diner for breakfast in the back room. Please come out and join me. Let's share ideas and talk about the future of Asbury. I will also hold a Zoom meeting on Sunday, March 6th at 4 p.m. for those who want to join in a discussion from the safety of their own home. Zoom is one of those things that will probably endure even after the pandemic becomes endemic. Anyone can reach out to me one-on-one, -on -one too. I want to hear how the Spirit is inspiring you 
And for those who may not really be focused on the work of the church right now, but on their own lives that have changed, if you need to refocus, take the time to pray about where God is leading you. Maybe write down what has been lost in your life and what joys are now presenting themselves. Allow yourself to feel the grief, but then turn that grief into joy. Find your way into your new future. Just remember to walk with Jesus. Stay close to his heart, and we'll all get there together. We are building or rebuilding our future on the foundation of our past. Like Notre Dame, it may take years, but God is faithful. And if we keep working, we will find the glory of God dwelling here in this place at this time with hope and joy in abundance. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Amen.